the Lord told me a few weeks ago, he says, I want you to preach on this this last Sunday. I didn't know uh, what would be going on with Brother Tim, and I didn't know. Well, I, I knew that uh, Michael, he was out of town for the weekend because Shayla graduated um, from University of Massachusetts, so he was up there. So he really didn't have, you know, when you're with your family and everything, he didn't have time to prepare, and I didn't realize that at that time. So I just said, okay, Lord. So I told him a couple weeks ago, okay, I'm going to preach on uh, at the end of the month. He's like, yeah, for real? Because usually he says, do you want to preach? And I say, no, <laughs> I have no desire. <laughs> but the Lord told me, so we're just obeying the Lord. And guess what the title is that God gave me? Not without a fight. And who is here today but the Ware team, Tim and Ellen, fighting for the victory in the name of Jesus. So I believe God has a word from us that is from him this morning. Let's pray. God, we love you. We magnify you. And we say you are great. God, we come to you with a humble heart, saying, God, we can't do anything unless you do it through us. I have nothing to say unless you say it through me and nothing to give unless you give it. So spring up well inside my soul, that life abundantly. In the name of Jesus, we speak life over this word, that it will penetrate hearts, it will renew minds, people will repent and be transformed. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You know, when I was a younger person, uh, I, you know, a very younger person, you know, 20-something, long time ago, um, I used to pray for the gift of prophecy. Now I say, oh, God, why did I pray for that gift? Because <laughs> sometimes God will show you stuff, and you're like, Lord, I'm, that really is none of my business. I really don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> and he reminded me last night, oh, you prayed for this gift. I said, oh, I did. <laughs> but amen, <laughs> amen, to God be the glory. Let's turn to um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And actually, I'm going to read up to verse 8. So we're going to start at verse 1 through verse 8. A time for everything. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. A time for war and a time for peace. Um, as you know, as my husband speaks every week, he's a, he's a movie buff. I'm not so much a movie buff, but I do have a favorite movie. And uh, my favorite movie is The Color Purple. It came out in the 80s. I was a kid. And I, I just love that movie. I watch it. I watch bits and pieces of it several times a year because it's on TV a lot now. But the main character in that movie is called Seeley. 
And it's a movie based in the early 1900s. I think it starts off maybe in 1909 or something, and it goes through the 1940s. So it's a chronicle of this main character's life from the time she's a teenager until she becomes an adult. And Celie has a hard way to go if you've never seen the movie. She's just, she's 14, she's black, she lives in the South. She's had two children by the time she's 14. Both of her parents are dead, and the father that she has abuses her. And he sends her off to marry somebody in a, an arranged marriage. He sends her to another man's house and uh, forces her to be this man's wife. And this man is called Mr. He has a name. But his character, character is so formidable that she just calls him Mr. And she's just very afraid of him. And he beats her up and, you know, knocks her down. And, and she just feels terrible about herself. And her only recourse is to write letters to God. So through the movie, she's writing letters to God, talking about what she's going through and how she feels. Now, there's another character in the movie, and her name is Nettie. And Nettie is Celie's younger sister. And Nettie is just the opposite in personality. She's full of life. She's full of spunk. She has a, um, an opportunity to go to school, so she's educated, and she's a fighter. And so Nettie also lives with this stepfather, and he tries to abuse her. So she runs away. She's not like Celie. She's not going to stay in that mess. She runs away, but she runs to Celie's house because Celie's her big sister. And so they stay together for a while, and then um, they're, they're outside one day doing chores, and they're hanging clothes on the line. Well, all the children, the stepchildren in the house, Celie's stepchildren, run through, and they knock all the clothes down, and they just keep on running and playing. And Nettie goes, well, you just don't let them do that to you? And Celie's like, yeah, and she just starts picking up the clothes. And Nettie says, well, you've got to show them who has the upper hand. You've got to fight. And Celie says, well, I don't know how to fight. All I know how to do is stay alive. I don't know how to fight. All I know how to do is stay alive. So my question this morning is, what do you do when all you know how to do is stay alive? You don't know how to fight. All you know how to do is stay alive. Okay? Okay, so let's turn in the word to um, the Exodus, Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to talk about a lady named Jochebed. Who's Jochebed? Anybody remember? Karen's not here. I know she knows. Anybody else know who Jochebed is? Who is it, Patty? Moses' mother. Her name is Jochebed. Her, her name is only mentioned twice in the Bible and is not mentioned um, in the story of Moses' birth. So for that reason, a lot of us just don't know what her name is. But her name is Jochebed, and her name means God is our glory. God is our glory. And uh, during this time, there's the Hebrew time, and the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians. And they were being terrorized by the Egyptians. So now we know terrorization is ISIS and, and Muslims and whatever. So at that time, the Hebrews were being terrorized by the Egyptians. And the Egyptian king said, every Hebrew boy has to be killed. So any Hebrew mommy that has a Hebrew baby boy has to be killed. But the girls can go free. So just put yourself in this position, mothers and fathers. You birth a baby boy. And the president says, your baby boy has to be killed. So right now we have hospitals. In that time, they had midwives. So it was the midwives' job to kill the baby boys. Well, the, ba the midwives wouldn't do it because they were also Hebrew. Now, I think if, you know, if the king had been thinking, he would have chosen Egyptian midwives 
to birth the babies so they would be killed. But no, God didn't have that to be so because he knew Moses was coming on the scene. So he had the Hebrew midwives to be there to birth the baby boys, and they would not do it. And they lied to the king and said, well, these women are too strong, and the babies come out too quick, and we just don't have time to kill them before, you know, the mommies have them in their hands. We can't kill them. So the Lord blessed the midwives for that. And when Jacob had saw Moses, she knew there was something a little different about this child. No doubt other parents' children had been killed. I'm, I'm sure, you know, m probably most of the other children had been killed. But she knew that there was something special about this baby. So she hid him for three months. Now, was she fighting? Did she go to the king and said, I'm not killing my child? No, because our fight is not in what? Flesh and blood. But it's against principalities and powers, right? So she said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide this baby. And after three months, you know, he started to talk more and giggle more so she couldn't hide him anymore. And I'm sure because she was a Levite, she was a worker of the church and her husband also, that she knew the Lord. So during this time that she's nursing and caring for, she's also praying, God, what are we going to do with this baby? You've shown me that this is a special child. What are we going to do? So God gave her a plan, and her plan was a baffling plan. <laughs> her plan, God gave her, was to make a little boat, a little basket that a baby would fit in, to put her baby in the basket and push it down the river toward the king's house. Not away from the king, <laughs> toward the king's house. But what did she do? She obeyed the Lord. She obeyed the Lord. So she puts this baby in the basket and floats him towards the king's house. Well, Moses had an older sister, about 12 years old, so he sent, she sent the older sister to watch over the baby. And as the baby's floating, who's there bathing but who? The king's daughter. She's bathing, and she sees this little baby, and she opens it. Now, these are Egyptians and Hebrews, so their features were probably a little different. So she could recognize this is not an Egyptian baby. This is a Hebrew child in this basket. But her heart, God softened her heart. And she lifted that baby up and said, oh, what are we going to do with this baby? I'm supposed to kill this baby. But she didn't kill it. And then Moses' baby sister came and said, do you want me to find somebody to take care of that baby? She said, yeah. So his sister came and got her mother to come and take care of her own baby. Look at God, right? Look at God. That looks ridiculous, doesn't it? That's just, just a ridiculous situation. We would, never, we would never think of that. You know, go to the president, go, go toward, drive to Washington, D.C. Because <laughs> God told you to. And then somebody else intercedes for you so that you won't be killed. And not only that, your own, you'll be taken care of by your own family up until a certain time. So her, her fighting was not standing up in herself, right? Was not standing up in herself saying, I am not doing this. Her fighting was in the spirit. Her fighting was in prayer. Her fighting was waiting on God and getting a strategy. Her fighting was obeying the Lord. Her fighting was waiting to be established, placed in a secure place because of his instruction. Amen. All right, let's keep going to 1 Samuel. 
chapter one, this is a different example. This is Hannah. This is a different woman. I'm female, so we have lots of female examples. <laughs> so Hannah is empty. She has no babies. And I'm kind of going in detail because we do have some new believers who are not familiar with the stories of the Bible. So those of you who are, who are familiar, be patient. Um, but Hannah is a lady who has a co-wife. We don't have those here in Amer America, but other countries do. Her husband has two wives. <laughs> She's one of the wives. She doesn't have any children, and she can't have any children, as far as she knows. She can't have any children. The other wife has lots of children. The Bible says Penina is her name. She has sons and daughters. So I'm assuming at least four children, at least two girls and two boys, if not more. Well, her husband, and he takes his wives and his children to the temple every year to bring a sacrifice and to pray. So it's the duty of the wife and the children to go every year. And every year, this Penina, Hannah's co-wife, is having a new baby, bringing it to the temple. Every year, Hannah has no baby. And her husband doesn't understand it. He says, aren't I enough for you? You don't need any children, because he has children by this other woman, right? So he's, for her, he's like, aren't I enough? <laughs> Why are you crying about this? She says, no, I want my own. So, you know, women, if we have to live with another woman and she has something that we want, it can be kind of ugly, right? It can, it can, it can get bad. So Hannah could have chosen to fight. She could have chosen to fight with Penina. She could have chosen to injure Penina's children. She could have chosen to injure herself. She could have chosen just to cause strife in the household all day long because she didn't have what she wanted. That could have been her method of fighting. But let's see what she did. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, I have my scriptures here. Let me look up here. But first chapter, chapter one, uh, verses 10 through 11. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, keep going, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So how does she fight? In the spirit and through, through prayer. She decided to say, okay, God, if you will do this for me, I'll give you a, this son back to you. Uh, and for no razor cutting his head, it was a symbol that this person belonged to the Lord. No razor will cut his hair all the days of his life. And what do you think God did? He answered the prayer. Amen. So that next year, Hannah came back. Well, no, she didn't. She had a baby, but she didn't bring him to the temple until she had finished nursing him. But God gave her that son, and she nursed that son. And when she was finished nursing, she brought him to the temple, and he was raised in the temple by the priest who lived there all the days of his life. And he became a prophet to that whole nation. So he heard from God for the king, right? So wouldn't it be worth it, parents, to dedicate your children to the Lord so that they will be raised up to wherever, wherever he wants them to be and put in high places. Amen? Amen. I think it would be worth it. 
All right. So now let's turn over to First Chronicles. We do have a Second Chronicles. I'm sorry. Second Chronicles. We do have a male example in here. Second Chronicles chapter 20. King Jehoshaphat. Yes. <laughs> he was a king of Judah. And Judah is a name that means praise. So he was a king over a whole group of people that means praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, he was a good king. He loved the Lord and he tried to do what was right. Um, but he was sort of like us because their, their country was separated into two. There was the side called Israel and the side called Judah. And so Jehoshaphat, he, he served the Lord. He tore down the idols. He told people to worship the Lord. But he also wanted to be friends with the king of Israel. And he was so much so that he married one of uh, King Ahab's, one of the king of Israel's daughters. And he decided to go fight in a war with the king of Israel. So he wanted his cake and to eat it too. <laughs> I want to serve the Lord and I want to be good with everybody else. We do that sometimes, don't we? I want to serve the Lord, but I'm going to be a friend to sinners too. Because I'm a good person. I want to serve the Lord, but I want to do this too. You can't have it that way. Jehoshaphat was confronted by one of the um, prophets of that time and said, you, no, you can't do this. Th this has to stop. And he, and, and he repented. He repented. He turned. He said, okay, I'm going to stop. We're going to do things right. And just when he decided to do things right and we're going to live the right way, war came from three other countries to him. Just when he decided to live right, when he made up in his mind, I'm going to do this thing right, the enemy attacked on three different sides and said, we're going to overtake your country. And so Jehoshaphat had to, he could have fought. He was a king. He knew how to fight. He had fought with Ahab. He had fought with Israel and won that battle. He knew how to fight physically. But he didn't know he was also outnumbered by these three other kings and their armies against him. So he had to decide, are we going to fight in the flesh? What are we going to do? What do you think he did? He prayed. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4. Let's go back to verses 3 and 4. I don't know if you have that, but I have it. It says, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. All right. It says, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors. Go back. Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Keep going. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Keep going. But now, here are men from Ammon 
and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. Keep going. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? Keep going. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there. They just stood there before the Lord. Amen. So he decided not to fight in the flesh. He decided to fight in the spirit. And not just him, but it took the whole land, not just the men. It took the wives and the children to come together with the men leading to the temple to stand before the Lord and say, God, you gave us this place. You didn't allow us to take over those enemies that are trying to attack us. So we're just going to stand here saying, God, we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And then they just stood there and waited for his response. Amen? Amen. After he and all the people fasted and prayed, and then God, God answered them and gave them a strategy. So they wait, and they stood, and they waited. Then God answered, and he said, tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Amen? Jehoshaphat obeyed the Lord and found things just as God had said. Not only did he just obey, but he gave voice to his faith because he encouraged his people with these words. He said, have faith in the Lord and you will be established. What is it to be established? You will be placed in a secure position. You don't have to be afraid. If you have faith in the Lord, he'll establish you. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. Amen? So he, he, not only in his heart and in his mind did he say, okay, I'm going to obey the Lord. With his words, he voiced his faith to give his people encouragement and said, have faith in the Lord and we will be established. Have faith in the prophets and we will succeed. Amen? Hallelujah. He put a seal on his faith. He put a seal on his faith because not only did he say within himself, I'm going to obey, not only did he declare with his words, but when they went out to fight, remember their group is called Judah, praise. They put people who would praise the Lord out in the front. So on their way to the battle, all they said was praise the Lord. His love endures forever. Praise the Lord for his love endures forever. Praise the Lord for his love endures forever. All the way to fight three different armies that have come to attack them. And what happened when they got to the place? They were on a cliff. They had to look down at the army. When they were singing their song, God made two of those kings turn on the other one. 
and they killed them. Then they got to fighting among themselves and killed each other. So by the time the Hebrews got there, all of them were just dead laying on the ground. So as the Hebrews were saying, praise the Lord for his love endures forever, all they had to do was look down and say, oh, it's some food down here. Let me go pick it up. It's some weapons down here. Let me go pick it up. There's some money down here. Let me go pick it up. And you know what? Then they went to another valley that's known today as the Valley of Praise where they praised God some more with all the plunder they had from those armies. They said, okay, army let's go over here praise the lord and it says the Korathites uh, praise the lord with a loud voice so there was a group of them that was just crazy praisers when they got to that other place they just went crazy Woo! thank you god hallelujah hallelujah so god in, in, they trusted the lord not only in themselves they gave voice to their faith they believed god so they knew they were secure they believed the prophet of God that said go and gave them the strategy. And they praised the Lord all the way to the fight. And they won the victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we're going to turn over to the New Testament. All right. So Mark chapter 5. Just got two more examples. Now Jesus is on the scene. Jesus is healing the sick, raising the dead, making blind people see, deaf people hear, casting out devils. So Jesus had gone from one side of the lake to the other. When he got on that side, so he had done some miracles on this side of the lake. People were pressing him and everything. He said, okay, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. So he and his disciples go to the other side. There were some things that happened along the lake, but we're not going to talk about that. But he's going, he got to the other side of the lake, got off the bus at a demoniac, a demon-possessed person, came to him and was acting up. Demons, that's what they do. They, he was acting up, going crazy. He didn't, Jesus didn't even have to say, who are you? The demon says, I know who you are. <laughs> Why'd you come over here? <laughs> Jesus said, okay, he cast the demon out. You know, make a long story short. He cast the demon out. The man who was full of the demon said, can I go back with you? Because now he's in his right mind and he's peaceful. He says, can I go back with you? Jesus said, no, I'm going to send you out to preach through this whole region, which he did. So Jesus is on his way back to his home on the other side of the lake. Okay, so they get in the boat. He's coming back. Wouldn't you know? See, people want to be a preacher and a prophet and do all this great stuff. You don't get left alone. He got on the boat, came back to this side, and people are just waiting for him. Just wait. He can't even get off the boat. People just waiting for him at the shore. Here comes Jesus. Not only just them, they're bringing the sick people. They're sick. They want something from him, right? And so he gets off the boat, and there's a synagogue, a ruler. Synagogue is... Uh, it's a church, basically. It's a Hebrew church. So uh, there's a ruler of the synagogue who's there. He comes up and he says, Jesus, you got to come to my house. My daughter is dying. Jesus says, okay. They get start to going. As they're going, there's people all around pressing him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's a woman menstruating, bleeding for 12 years. 
12 years. Now, ladies, you know, if you have a heavy, heavy cycle, you don't feel well, right? You don't have any energy, have headaches. You, you don't feel well at all. She had been going through this for 12 years. And so she's coming up with the people, and I can imagine her coming slowly. But you know what? She didn't fight the people. She didn't say, get out of my way. <laughs> I got to get to Jesus. Get out. Nope, she didn't fight. She didn't even pray. All the other people prayed. Jairus came and prayed. He asked God to come to his house to heal. She didn't even pray. She had a different level of faith. So it's time for us to go from one level to a different level. She didn't even pray. She said, I know he's got the power. I know I need the power. I just believe if I, all I got to do is just touch him. Even through all these people, I don't even have to ask him to come to me. I don't have to ask him to touch me. I don't have to ask him to heal me. I know that power. I've seen that power heal other people. I've seen that one, uh, the, the centurion came and said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. And I saw his servant come and say, oh, your child's already healed. She said, uh-oh, all I know is if I touch this one, I'm going to be all right. If I touch this one, I'm going to be all right. If I touch this one, I'm going to be all right. And she reached out and she got a little piece of him, just a little piece, not even his skin, just a little piece of what he was wearing, just the edge of his coat, what he was wearing, and she was healed all of a sudden. Hallelujah. She knew within herself she, that blood had dried up, and Jesus knew it too. He knew it too. He didn't touch her. He didn't even look at her. He hadn't looked at her. He said, uh-oh power left from me. So I, I feel the faith. I feel the faith. <laughs> power left from me. And she had to come up and say, Lord, it was me. It was me. He said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free. So God, so she didn't have to fight in the flesh. She didn't have to move the people out of the way. She could have fought and said, she could have just decided to stay home. She could have given up. She could have said, it's, gonna, it's been like this for 12 years. Well, I don't see, you know, what difference that's going to make me going down there to the shore where he is. <laughs> but no, she said within herself, if I can just touch him, I'll be all right. You know, there are some times in your life you go through things and you feel like you prayed and nothing happened. But what, what do you do? When you don't know how to fight. When you don't know how to fight. If you have a child and you just don't understand, you don't know how to fight to get this child to do the right thing. Or, you know, if you have a sickness and you, you don't know what to do. This woman has spent all the money she had on doctors and she was still sick. And so she didn't know what else to do. You pray. You pray. The word says that people perish for lack of knowledge. So where do you where do you get your knowledge? From the word, from the word, from the word. That's where you get your knowledge. From the word. You go in this word. If you need healing, you look in these stories where Jesus healed. Amen. And you let your faith arise. If you need friends, you look in this story where there are friends. The disciples were friends. See how they treated each other, and you let your faith arise. If you, if you don't know what to do with your child, you look in this word and go through the Proverbs and say, okay, how do I raise this child? 
because that's your book of wisdom, right? You get in the word and you don't die because you don't know. You go to where the knowledge is. Amen? You don't die because you don't know. You're like the woman and you say, if I can just get to where the knowledge is, I know I'll be all right. You go and you're, you're like Jehoshaphat and you say, Lord, we'll just stand here. We've, we've prayed. Now we're just going to stand here. We're not doing anything else. We're just going to stand here and wait. And you just wait. And you just wait. And you do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes to get in his presence. You say, well, Jesus was there at that time. Well, Jesus went to the Father. He left the Holy Spirit. He's here all the time. He's here all the time just waiting for you. And if you don't know where he is, say, God, I don't know where you are. So I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to wait. And he will show himself to you. Yes, he will. Go sit under a tree somewhere. God, I don't know where you are, but I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to wait until you tell me what to do. And so let's say you don't have time. Let's say you have children and you have a job or whatever. You don't have time to be sitting out all day long, you know. Make a time, 30 minutes a day. Get in a place, say, God, I don't know what to do, and wait. Come back the next day, same place, same time, if you can, same time. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm going to wait. I promise God will show himself strong. He will show himself strong. He will, he will, he will. Don't expect God to do what you want him to do. He told Jochebed to send her baby down the river toward the king. You think she wanted to? No, she probably didn't want to do that. He told Jehoshaphat, put some singing people in the front <laughs> and go on and fight these kings. I'm going to kill them for you. You think Jehoshaphat said, okay, we go. God's going to kill them for us. Come on. He probably had to say, oh, Lord, <laughs> you just going to kill them. I've never heard of that before, <laughs> you know. God's going to tell you, he might tell you to do something crazy in your mind crazy in your mind but you got to trust him you got to trust him and keep on going amen hallelujah all right so i got my little last three points i said like, like hannah you ask god to fill you up like jehoshaphat confess that you don't know what to do but your eyes are on him like jairus and the sick woman go to where jesus is and wait for him do whatever it takes when you know he's there say within yourself if i can just touch him I know I'll be made whole. He'll know when you touch him, and he'll say, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be free. Hallelujah. Now, I believe there is a reason.